Welcome to Theology.fm. I am Jeremy Myers. Hey, listen, we don't have any special guests today. It's just me talking to you. I've had lots of conversations recently with people who read my main blog over at RedeemingGod.com, and it occurred to me the conversations that I'm having with them are probably similar to conversations I would have with you if you and I were able to meet. So uh, I wanted to sit down and have that conversation. (laughs) I know you're not here. I wish you were. I would love it if you were. If we could ever work out a way for you to come to Oregon or me to come to your place and just hang out over a cup of coffee, you have no idea how much I would love that. Uh, I just live uh, south of Portland, so that's an invitation outside of Salem. Come on over. Take you to coffee. And uh, we'll talk. So, uh, listen, uh, just like every episode, let's, uh, this, this one's sponsored by, by Logos Bible Software. If you don't have a theology study, Bible study software package from them, you can use my coupon code JMyer6. Get 15% off your order. They're my sponsor. Uh, I do get a little kickback if you go purchase that. Podcasting's expensive, so it helps to have uh, the, uh, the sponsor. Uh, but I only get paid if uh, people buy something. So if, you're, if you've been looking for Bible software for Christmas or something, I'd really appreciate it. It's going to help me, and uh, you will thank me for that, that uh, Logos Bible software package. It's, I, I use it all the time. It's, it's fantastic. Anyway, with that out of the way, let, let's get into this conversation about what's going on in the world today. And uh, I recently wrote a... Uh, uh, blog post over at redeeminggod.com. I will put a link in the show notes so you can go read it yourself about how I'm convinced the world is experiencing a new reformation. Um, things are changing. You know, you know the reformation that happened back in the 1500s. Um, I think, in fact, 1517 was the year that Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg Castle. In Wittenberg, I should say. So in those 500 years, a lot has happened in the church. But as I look around at the things going on in the world today and what's going on in church, and especially what's going on in my life, in the lives of people like you or the people I met with this past week, I just see that God is doing some amazing things in the world today. And I see that he is calling people to step out in brand new ways, in amazing ways, in exciting ways. And that those who listen to the call, those who respond, those who follow Jesus into the world are going to change the world. They're going to do things and and go places and accomplish things uh, for the kingdom of God. that, That in 500 years from now, people will be looking back and say, wow, can you imagine living back in the early 21st century, and all the changes and how the world was never the same, the church was never the same as a result. You know, I look around and I see lots of people who I am convinced, I am 100% convinced that they have this call. They sense God working in their heart and mind. They, they believe that the Spirit is leading them to minister, to serve, to love in some way. But uh, because there's been only really one way to do that for 500 years— or longer, uh, these people sort of have um, their mind made up about what that sort of ministry is going to look like. And so, uh, you know, most people today, they feel that Jesus is calling to the minister. They figure, well, I guess I need to go to the elder board 
and ask them to bless my ministry. And then I need to raise money and send out support letters. And then uh, I need to go overseas. Uh, I recently wrote a post about the, the magic of saltwater and just what it does in people's minds. You know, a person can be doing ministry in their town, and, and or maybe they're not doing ministry, whatever. But as soon as they cross a body of saltwater, all of a sudden there's this thing that happens in the minds of most people. It's like, oh, you know, <laughs> they get this uh, holy aura around them all of a sudden because they've gone overseas to be missionaries. I sometimes think the harder thing is to stay in your own country, in your own neighborhood, and love the people on either side of you. Uh, Again, I'm not saying anything negative, bad, critical about missionaries or anybody who goes overseas. God bless them. I pray for them. Uh, I have family members who are missionaries, and uh, that's that's great. But I think that if, if you sense Jesus calling you to love people, to minister to people, before you even consider going overseas... You need to look to the people who are in front of you right now. In fact, as you're listening to my voice, look around. If you're sitting in a room all by yourself, fine, that's one thing. But if you're driving in your car, maybe there's somebody sitting next to you, and they're, now they're looking at you. <laughs> uh, or maybe there's someone in the car next to you, or you're pulling into your driveway, and your neighbor's out mowing his lawn. Or just some, God just brings someone at work. You're, you're headed to work, and uh, your boss, or your coworker, or the secretary, or the janitor, or somebody who gets overlooked, and they've just been real. You know, God is going to put someone on your mind, and, and that is the person that Jesus is calling you to minister to. Not some nameless, faceless mass of poor people over in Africa. Yes, God wants people to minister to them too, but I'm convinced the people God wants to minister to those poor, nameless, faceless mass of people over in Africa are the people that, uh, to whom they are not nameless and faceless. Their own neighbors, their own relatives, their own uh, people who live, the, the, the Christians who follow Jesus, who are, who are there already. And, and, okay, and, and I'm not saying anything about unreached people groups and all that. Okay, we could go all over the place on that. Yes, there's places for missionaries to bring the gospel to places they haven't reached. Okay, I get that. The point is you. I want to talk about you. If you are part of this new reformation, this new movement of God on the earth today, don't think that you have to go to seminary. Don't think that you have to go to some other town, some other city, or some other country. You have to learn some other language, uh, adapt to some other culture, you know, uproot you and yourself and your family and quit your job and move overseas just so Jesus can use you. Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus wants you to love people where you are right now with the people who are around you right now. And and, and that's the conversation I I had. uh, It was uh, yesterday, the day I'm recording this, yesterday. I spent six hours in a local coffee shop uh, with, let's see, one, two, three, four, five other people. Uh, Not all five were there for the whole six hours. In fact, uh, they kind of came and went throughout the day. But we had uh, just a wonderful conversation all day long. And it was about similar things with all of the different groups, just about their sense that God is calling them to something new, but they don't know what it is. And so, uh, again, I I can't speak into their life and tell them what God is telling them to do. And I'm not trying to do that to you either. But here's the thing I'm noticing over and over and over as I have these conversations, and even as I watch God working in my own life and and, and in the life of my wife and in the life of my children and the life of the people I know who are walking this uh, similar journey. 
Yes, God wants you to do something. Yes, there is a sense of discontent in your life, as there is often in mine. Yes, there is a sense of God calling you to something more. In fact, I think there are millions of people. Again, I wrote another blog post about the 65 million people who have left the church. And uh, there's this big study about why have they left and how can we get them back. Okay, I'll put a link to that in my, in my show notes for that as well. And I wrote in that blog post, but I don't think these people, the vast majority of them, have actually left the church. Yes, maybe they are not sitting in the pew on the Sunday morning. But that is not necessarily leaving the church. I think there's 30 million of those, at least, who just, although they no longer sit in the pew on Sunday morning, they feel that they are more active in the church now than they've ever been before because they are loving people and they are serving people and they are helping people and they are being the hands and feet and voice of Jesus to people in their own neighborhood, at their workplace, at the place where they work out, among their friends and family and neighbors and loved ones. Okay, and that is what it looks like to be the church. So uh, anyway, as I had this conversation, I, I, I want to encourage you to do the same thing. I had a, a, one of these guys, he sat down, down with me, and he's done the whole thing. He's done the mega church, and then that didn't work out. So he, uh, you know, it was too impersonal. So then he went to the small church, because those are going to be more close-knit relationships and more communal. And uh, that didn't work out. And so uh, he, let's see, he, he went to a, a Plymouth Brethren church. Uh, and I don't know if you know anything about Plymouth Brethren, but uh, they're elder-led. And there's no pastor, just elder-led, and they have a real uh, heavy emphasis or focus on the Lord's Supper as an actual meal. So you sit down because that is where fellowship happens, and that is where real relationships are built around a meal. And that's why Jesus is often eating meals. Okay, wonderful model, in my opinion. But uh, eventually that didn't work out either. So he landed in some sort of a house church, uh, organic church, simple church sort of thing. And just recently, I think within the last year, that whole thing folded. And now he's saying, what next? What next? I felt God leading me. I know that Jesus wants something for me and he's wondering what's next. And so what I was able to encourage him with is something I've seen in my own life. And it's this, and this is what I want to encourage you too with. Your mentor, your primary mentor, your model, your primary model is not some other person. You already have the Holy Spirit. And he is going to lead you and guide you to what ministry is going to look like for you. I think what so often happens, and, and we've been brought up in this, we've been trained in this mentality in the church that the pastor gets up front and he tells us what it looks like to be a Christian. Then he tells us what it what we're supposed to believe and how we're supposed to behave. And then he tells us what sorts of ministries we should be involved in and how those ministries are going to work and when those ministries are going to take place and, uh, you know, who's going to be involved and all this sort of thing. And uh, we are invited to plug ourselves in to one of those ministries that somebody else, some organization, some, some uh, committee or even some individual has set up for us. And we think that's how we do ministry. And so that's where this idea comes from about how, well, if I'm going to follow Jesus, if I'm going to really love other people, I need someone to show me how to do it, when to do it, where to do it. And I, I think that the, uh, it's just, there, there, there is some need for that, to, for ministry partners. But overall, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit has been given to you to lead you and guide you. And he will lead you and guide you. He will show you the people he wants you to reach. And very likely, they are the people right around you right now. You can't necessarily go looking for them. 
If you go looking for people to minister to, in my experience, you will always try to minister to the wrong people who are not ready to be ministered to. No, the best thing to do is to just keep your eyes open, keep your ears open, uh, and, and be sort of praying to God. Say, God, show me who to love. Show me who to serve. Show me who is around me in my life right now who is hurting, who is going through hell. And help me share with them the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. Help me be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus to that person, whoever it is, in whatever way. This man, he is a real estate agent, and so I encouraged him. I said, look, you're a real estate agent. You've been a real estate agent for a couple decades. And right now, as a real estate agent, you have such an amazing opportunity to love other people like Jesus. You are dealing with people when they are facing one of the, what, three major life decisions that they have in their life. What The three are what? Uh, what job you're going to do, who you're going to marry, and where you're going to live. So where are you going to live? It's in the top three. And these people are facing financial questions and, and uh, relationship questions and sometimes marital questions. And maybe they're downsizing because their children have left. Or maybe they've gotten divorced. Or maybe they just had a child. So they're looking for a house. and They're looking for a bigger house. Or, or, or maybe they just got a job, a, a new job, a raise. And so they're looking to upgrade their house. Or who knows what it might be. Maybe they've come into financial problems. And so they need to downsize because they can't afford their old house. And, 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 and then aside from that, the whole real estate agency business is so full of deception and greed and lies and all these things. So, you know, you, I was telling this guy, you have an opportunity as a Christian real estate agent to be an agent of integrity and honesty and not trying to oversell people into a bigger house than they can afford just so your commission can be bigger. Or not hiding the truth about a particular neighborhood or the problems with a particular house just so you can get your sale. Be honest. Be a man of integrity. And, and you know what? If you do that, if you, if you come alongside these people with this major life decision, and you are a man of honesty and integrity, then guess what? You are being Jesus to them, even if the name of Jesus never comes up. In fact, it may be better if Jesus never comes up. Because that whole raises a whole nother level of questions. Like, oh, no, wait a second here. Why is this guy bringing Jesus up to me? You know, what's he really after? Is he going to invite me to his church? You know, all those sorts of questions. Anyway, uh, look, um, I don't know what your job is. I don't know what you, where you're living. I don't know where you're min- I don't know what ministries you've done in the past or what you're thinking of doing. But here's what I would encourage you to do. Look around your life, your relationships right now and say, Jesus, I don't know who you want me to love. Would you show me? Would you bring them to my attention so that I could love them like Jesus, so that I can minister to them, so that I can help them, so that I can serve them? And yeah, you know, maybe it will be the homeless people. Maybe it will be uh, shut-ins, elderly people, uh, chronically ill. But it might also be your millionaire uncle who has thought that money is going to buy him happiness and now his marriage is struggling and in shambles and and he doesn't know where to turn and uh, you know and you have a word of encouragement I, I i don't know what it could be for you but but you know and the holy spirit knows and the holy spirit can show you 
you can come alongside someone else and be an encouragement to them. You don't need to go overseas. You don't need to go to seminary. You don't need the training. You can do it. You can be Jesus to that other person. That is the ministry that God is calling you to do. One of the other conversations I had is uh, with a man who, his story is very similar, and it's similar to my story and probably similar to your story. He also has been a lifelong member of the church. He's a business owner, and he has, I can't remember, four or five kids who are all older and uh, out of the house. He's a grandfather now. I think he has seven grandkids, he said. And uh, he also has this similar feeling that God is up to something in the world, and he wants to be a part of it. Uh, And in the past, he's been uh, really involved in his church. Uh, He attended faithfully for many, many years. uh, And then about 10 years ago, he switched to a a different church in town. And uh, over time, he even became an elder in that church. Anyway, this church recently has gone through some changes, as all churches in the world are doing, uh, significant changes, especially here in Oregon. They recently legalized gay marriage. And so some churches are trying to figure out how to respond to this. I don't know if you've seen the news or not, but uh, they had that big thing up in Portland where this gay couple wanted uh, some Christian cake makers to make a wedding cake for their wedding, and the, uh, the bakery uh, refused on religious grounds. And so the gay couple uh, sued them for discrimination, and the gay couple won, the, the, the Christian... Uh, bakery lost that lawsuit. So churches, uh, as a result, are sort of uh, seeing the writing on the wall, I suppose, and there are, they're saying, okay, what happens when a gay couple, now that gay marriage is legal in our state, what happens when a gay couple comes to our church and says, we want to get married? We would like you, Pastor Smith, to marry us. Uh, what are we going to do? We, we can't necessarily refuse them because it's legal So what are we doing? Anyway, this church uh, in town, um, they decided, and I think lots of churches are going this way, they decided that what they needed to do is put something in their bylaws that they only marry church members. You have to be a church member to get married. Okay, Uh, and so let's say a gay couple comes and said, Pastor Smith, we want to marry. He goes, oh, man, uh, we, we, we've decided that we can only marry church members. So if you want to get married here, you need to go through the membership process, take the membership class, become a member of the church. And let's say the gay couple decides, okay, well, let's do that. So they go, they, they take the marriage class. Well, somewhere along the way in the marriage class, the, not, not the marriage class, uh, the membership class, uh, somewhere along the way in the membership class, uh, there will be a standards of conduct. You know, this is what sort of lifestyle you need to have in order to be a member in good standing with our church. And I guarantee that in this church, one of those things will be that you cannot be living in a homosexual relationship. So uh, whatever you think about gay marriage, homosexual uh, marriage, that's, that's not the point. Uh, the point is, this is what this particular church is doing about it. So uh, anyway, as part of this, though, obviously, the church made a big membership drive, a membership push. Everybody who's in church, if you've been attending here for any length of time, you need to be a member. This is the way the church is going. And they've been preaching about it, and they've been pushing it, and they've been going to the pastors going around individually, having lunch with people and saying, become a member. I want you to become a member. And with this elder that I talked to said, look, I've been 
serving in this church for over 10 years. I've been an elder in this church, and I'm not a member. It's never been an issue before. Uh, I, I don't feel, this is what he told the pastor, I don't feel like I should be a member. Anyway, the pastor made an issue of it. He has to become a member. So this elder, this man, said, well, okay, I guess that means I can't be part of the church. So he left. Uh, but he hasn't left church. Understand what I'm saying? He now has, and his wife is up full on board with this, decided that God is doing something in the world. God is bringing about change in the church. And the, those individual congregations which don't change, which don't follow God, they're going to run into problems. They're going to die. They're going to fold. Uh, and, and those who do, the church of the future is going to look very, very different than the way it has for the last 500 years. And he's convinced about this. And I was just so amazed and so impressed that he saw this because so few people see what is coming for the church. And I believe he saw it and he sees it crystal clear and he wants to be part of it. The thing is, is he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where to go. And maybe you're like that too. Maybe you've left. Maybe you've stopped attending that church down the corner, that brick building with the steeple. And you know you're still part of the church. You know you still love God and love Scripture and love Jesus, but you don't know what to do. You don't know where to go next. But look, same thing as I told uh, that real estate agent. Let God guide you. Let Jesus guide you. Let the Holy Spirit show you who to minister to and what to do. Uh, in fact, I, I told this, uh, this, this guy, he he uh, he owns a business in town, so I also told, it's also a business. In fact, most businesses, I think, have uh, elements of greed to them sometimes. And so I told him he could run his business with honesty and integrity, just like that real estate agent did. But he, in the process of sharing his story, he told me that his uh, children, many of them, they haven't gone off the deep end or anything, but just because of his religious background and just uh, some of them as they've grown up and uh, in, in the, the culture, have they, they no longer identify as Christians. They're not out there sinning and, you know, all this crazy stuff that some people get into. No, they're, they're, they're good people. You know, they, they are married and they have kids of their own and jobs and, and they're productive members of society, all of that. Uh, but they just, they don't, they don't go to church. They don't do that whole thing. They, they uh, for the most part, have sort of turned their back on it. And I, I told this man, I said, it is so exciting that you are now at this place where you are seeing that that Sunday morning activity is not required. It's important for some people. It's necessary for some people. I'm not denying that. He didn't either. That's a very helpful, beneficial place for lots of people. But it's not required to be a fully committed and faithful follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, sometimes Jesus requires some of his disciples to leave that place so that we can follow him better. And that was true of this man. It's true of me. It might be true of you as well. And he was seeing that, but he wanted to know what was next. So I told him, I said, I, I, again, I, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I can't say for sure. But I wonder if one of the conversations that God wants you to have is with your children. And tell them, hey, you guys would never believe what's happening to me. Jesus has called me, invited me to be the church outside of what everybody calls the church. And, and, and maybe, and this is what he could say, maybe you children, maybe I'm following you. Maybe you saw this years ago, decades ago, when you stopped going to church and you just said, you know what, this is no longer for me. And maybe you thought that you were leaving the church, but you haven't. And this is what he could tell them. 
You haven't left the church. You haven't left Jesus. You haven't abandoned God. Maybe you followed him. And you are now able to love your neighbors and, and love your children and love your spouse and love your, your fellow employees, uh, your fellow co-workers, and all of those uh, with the love of Jesus outside of the four walls of institutional Christianity. Now, again, I don't know any of his kids, and so I don't know if that will be helpful for him. But, uh, you know, we'll see. We're going to meet again. We'll talk again. Uh, but again, the point uh, of me talking with you is not even about telling telling his story to you. It's not about him. It's about you. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know if you have kids and if they're following Jesus, if they're attending church or not. But I do know this. I think that if you look into your heart, if you look into your life, there is likely some wonder, maybe even a little discontent about what you're doing, about how you're following Jesus. This is going to be especially true if you are involved in that Sunday morning activity. Especially true. If you're still going to Sunday school, sitting in the pew, listening to the sermon, singing the songs, I am convinced that God is at work in the minds and hearts of people in that system that might be you, calling them to a greater life, a greater relationship, a bigger reality where we love others like Jesus, where we are the hands of Jesus, loving them, serving them, helping them, where we are the feet running their errands, taking them places, where we are his voice speaking words of love and encouragement and forgiveness and grace and mercy, reconciliation, redemption into the lives that maybe they have never heard before, even though they've been sitting in the pew just like you. I don't know. Listen, if this is sort of resonating with you, if, if, if some of what I've said today is your story, I would love to hear it. Would you leave a comment in the show notes? Uh, you can find those at theology.fm slash Jeremy Myers slash 07 and uh, share some of your story. Or might might even be better, uh, you could go over to my main blog at redeeminggod.com and uh, subscribe to the newsletter, redeeminggod.com slash subscribe. That's where you can sign up, or there's subscription forms all over the place. And the reason is because you're, you're going to get, I'll send you, I think, two or three free ebooks for doing that. But uh, the main reason, though, is so that you can get my email and email me directly. Uh, as part of that, you're going, I th- think I send you six or seven emails which share my story with you. But more importantly, I invite you to share your story with me. I want to know. I want to know what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what your questions are. And like I said earlier, I would love to be able to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you, but that's just not always possible. So at the bare minimum, we can share emails. We can send emails back and forth about how you are involved in this new reformation that is happening in the church and in the world today. So would you do that? Uh, Go over to redeeminggod.com slash subscribe, enter your email and then when you get that email from me that invites you to share your story with me, send me. Send me a paragraph, a two, a page or two. I read them all, and I try. I, I really do my best to respond to them all. Sometimes it gets a little overwhelming, but I, I do try to at least read them all and respond to them all. And that way, you and I can connect. And who knows where that will lead us in the future. Maybe we'll be able to meet in, meet in person sometime down the road and have a cup of coffee and uh, laugh and and encourage one another and fellowship with one another and share the stories with how Jesus is leading you and how he's leading me. Be encouraged. The Holy Spirit, he knows what you need. He knows where to take you. 
and He will lead you as long as you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear for what He wants for you. Hey, thank you for listening to Theology.fm. I really appreciate it. Uh, Again, leave a comment in the show notes. Check out some of those links I've mentioned there as well. And especially, primarily, go over to redeeminggod.com slash subscribe. Subscribe to the email newsletter and then share your story with me. I I cannot wait to hear your story. Please send it my way uh, and I'll read it and respond. Thank you again. Oh, and and listen, if you know other people who would be encouraged by this, who are on the same journey as you do, would you share this episode with them? I don't know, Facebook, send them an email, tweet about it. I don't know, however you want to do it, I don't care. Uh, And that way it can be an encouragement to you, to, to them, as it's been an encouragement to you. And more people can recognize that there's nothing wrong with them, that Jesus is calling them, maybe, to stop doing that Sunday morning thing, that Sunday morning event, so that they can love their neighbors on Sunday morning instead, or love whoever God brings into their life. Uh, That is what God is doing in the world today, and the world will never be the same as a result, and you and I can be a part of it. That's exciting, right? It's very exciting. Share your story with me. I look forward to reading it. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks with another episode of Theology.fm.